0: Well, good morning, everyone. Come on, everyone. Good morning. Woo. Hey, this is a good morning because, look, we are going to be doing baptism. Yes, I'm telling you, it, it's been so good. Yeah, get, we got our, our, our people getting baptized down here. It is going to be an awesome morning. It already has been an awesome morning. It was great last night as well. Uh, last night, actually, I got to baptize. It was really an honor. Uh, they, th- this, this couple, Bill and Sharon, have been married 50 years. And they were getting baptized last night. I knew their daughter. It was just awesome. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, not as many people signed up. There was only It was supposed to be four last night. And then a couple of people got sick and they had to back out. And so it was just them. So I told them that we planned all of this just for them. <laughs> and it was a big party. It was so fun. And then after they got baptized, uh, a, a couple people just got out of the seats, clothes and all, and said, this is my day. And so I just want to tell you something. I really just going to remind you, this could be your day. And if you're in the balcony, guess what? You just start, you just start coming down. You know, you, you, I, this could be your day. If if God is drawing your heart today, this could be your day, Close and all. Because we have a lot of towels. I mean, it's going to be a cold walk to your car. We got a lot of towels. And I'll let you know, the water's warm. I have no idea why it's warm. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it could be warm. We haven't let kids in there, so don't worry. But But it's going to be a party. It's going to be fun. But we are in this series called Questions... Jesus asked. And if you know anything about the teachings of Christ, he used questions many times to get people to start to think. Many times he would ask questions, rhetorical questions, questions to really just spark your heart, your mind, to start thinking a different way. And many times he would ask these questions to the religious people of that time to challenge them. To really start thinking, is there another perspective? Is there another way to live, And so that's what we're going to look at today. And the question we are looking at uh, this morning is this. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Now, if you know uh, one of the stories in scripture, you may, that might may spark something to you. If, if you didn't, that's okay. Because we're going to walk through this powerful scripture. Because in this holiday season of Thanksgiving, can you believe Thanksgiving is almost here? Please. Uh, unbelievable. But in this season of Thanksgiving, we're going to look at what it looks like to have a mindset of gratefulness a mindset, a heart set of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude. I always love that. You need an attitude of gratitude. You know, I've heard that a lot in my life, but that's what we're going to look at today. And to simply kind of have this posture of giving thanks. And this, I feel like this is part one to even a part two message of what's going to happen on Wednesday. We have a Wednesday service here every second and fourth Wednesday. And actually this Coming Wednesday is going to be our last one for the season. And we do a Thanksgiving Eve midweek service. If you've never been to midweek, I'm inviting you to come. It's, this one is, is special because we have a lot of fun. We do, we're going to do a little skit and have a little bit of fun, which is very different from a Wednesday. we sing a lot of songs together. And there's a meal at 545, which is kind of a $5 meal. Just come and join us. Kids under three are free. So come back for that Wednesday. But this is sort of a part one to that message. Because throughout the Bible... God is continually asking his people to be grateful. He's continually asking them to have a heart of thanksgiving. And the apostle Paul, who really had an incredible encounter with God, and he started to really have this cultivated in his life, he wrote this in 1 Thessalonians. Listen to this. He says, rejoice always. I'm sure we always rejoice, right? Pray without ceasing. We're always praying, right? And then he says, in everything give what? In everything give for this is God's what? For you in Christ Jesus. Many people come to me and go, I don't know. And I do this too. God, what's your will? What's your will for my life? Okay, here's your will that I need to rejoice always, that I need to pray without stopping, and that in everything that I do, I give thanks. Do we live that way? Do we? You're all bummed. Really? <laughs> Look, you're not doing the will of God. That's not what this is about. I'm not shaming you. I'm saying that's not our natural inclination. It's not. It's not mine either. It's not. But I really think by the end of the day that we're going to have this kind of gratitude be built into us. I love what one author says about giving thanks. says, thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness thankfulness may consist merely of words, but gratitude is shown in acts. And then this other author adds to it by saying this, feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. And many times we don't, we don't express it. We don't get, we're gonna see that in the story today. Many times we'll just walk on and we actually won't come back and give this kind of heart of thankfulness. And so we know that gratitude is a gift. It is a gift to us. It's a gift to others. And cultivating this heart of thankfulness and gratitude might be the most important choice we make in our daily lives. And I do say choice. I think we can choose to be grateful. So I think it's an important choice. I also think this. I think having gratitude and a heart of gratefulness is one of the most powerful weapons to push back on the cynicism and the bitterness of this world. I really believe that in fact when i was i was struggling pretty deeply uh, with a lot of things and i had a mentor lauren that walked for years he's walked me through a lot of stuff super wise person i love his heart because he has this he he lives out this kind of this this gratitude he lives it out and one time i went to him i said lauren how do you do that you know he's in his 80s now how do you do that and he's like let me give you i'll never forget this line he said evil or darkness can never enter a grateful heart he said, evil and gratefulness do not, can't coexist. I always loved that line. And I've kind of tried to live by that. I think it's so it's powerful. Being gratitude is, it, having a heart of gratitude is very powerful. It's a powerful decision we make. And I think I've learned the most about thanksgiving and gratitude from children. Now, believe me, I've learned other things from children. But I've learned a lot of gratefulness from kids. In fact, when we've traveled, not only uh, children here in our community, but children around the world. And the image that came into my mind uh, when I started thinking about this was this boy. Look at this picture. Uh, this, is, this is a picture of a, of a Nepalese boy. Uh, this is actually not the actual picture. This is one that looks almost identical. When I was in Nepal a few years ago, we traveled for hours. Finally got into this remote place. And this little boy had a stick just like this one in a little old tire. And I remember us showing up and he'd look at us. And, and he'd take this tire. I'm not kidding. And like, and he would run alongside of it. And he would go so fast. He'd come back and he'd look at us. And we're like, yeah, you know, it's awesome. And then Seth, the video director, had his camera. And he says, camera, this. And the boy's like, okay. And then he starts the camera and they just start running. And he starts and He hitting the top of this tire. And they just take off and they disappear. They must have moved a mile, it seemed like. And there was so much joy in that moment. In fact, I got to experience this yesterday when I was part of the Thanksgiving Baskets, which, by the way, when I was standing in the middle of Harrington Elementary School in that gymnasium, looking at this community and looking at our communities coming together, my heart was filled with gratitude for this community. I love this place, I love what God is doing in every campus. Over 2,000 baskets delivered with Traverse City involved as well over eight campuses. I, my heart was filled. But here's another reason my heart was filled. There was this little girl, less than two years old, right? Roz, you saw her? Less than two years old. I'm not kidding you. Probably two or three hours she did this. She had the hardest job, right? <laughs> One of the hardest jobs. This tiny girl would pick up a whole bag of, well, I don't need to tell you. Just watch what she did. This is her job. She's strong, man. Look at her. Less than two. And then this is my favorite part. Hey, great job. You're awesome. <laughs> so good. Look at that. Just keep this, keep this picture. Isn't that not great? She, I, no, am I lying? It was like two or three hours she did that. Just one bag at a time. One bag at a time. It, you, know what, you know what happens? When we have an attitude of gratitude, it leads to a life of joy. It leads to a life of joy. And I felt that so much yesterday, this unbelievable joy. And sometimes we can forget what God has given us. Sometimes we can't see what we have and we take things for granted. But I really believe if we want to be a community and people of gratefulness, we need four things. We need to recognize, remember, remember. Return and rejoice. We need to recognize, remember, return, and rejoice. And so we're gonna see that in our baptisms today. We're gonna see that in the story of God and his people through his word. And we see that, I think, in our lives as a cycle. So let me pray. Lord, we really do wanna understand what it means to recognize what you're doing in our life, to remember you, to turn back and return to you, to rejoice. And to be people of gratitude. Because out of that gratitude comes joy. The joy of the Lord. Which is different than joy here in this world. We want to know your joy. We want to understand a grateful heart centered in you. So lead us that way, Lord. Lead us in your way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Well, well, I would love to receive our offering now as I'm stepping into uh, this story in scripture. And so if you've come prepared to give awesome. If if you are brand new right now and you're newer, uh, like Nancy, this doesn't have to be your moment at all. In fact, we do a moment called starting point. If you walk out in the lobby, a little to your right, you'll see people with orange shirts says starting point. There's a little sign. We'd love to give you a gift, shake your hand and connect you into this big place. But if you're part of this community and you really want the joy of the Lord in our community and you're investing, this is our act of worship. This is why Amy and I invest. I know many of you give online too. That's what Amy and I do. And so thank you for that. But the but let me, let me walk you through this story. There's a story in scripture written by Luke. Luke was running one of the gospels of the accounts of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was a physician. He wrote very detailed. I love reading his writings. And he has an account of a story where Jesus meets 10 particular people. But one of them really shows a heart of gratefulness. Let's start in Luke 17. While he, Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Now this is important that you understand where he is. He had Judea a little to the south, Galilee uh, to the north, and then in between them was Samaria. And the Jews and the Samaritans were cultural enemies. They had a lot of tension between them. They did not like each other. And what's fascinating about Jesus, many times in Scripture we will read that he always walks this line as he travels between two neighbors that don't really like themselves. And he uses that to start to teach people how we are to love each other, how we are to actually learn how to live and so he's now walking the line between two enemies. And here's what it says. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And we need to know who's part of this, these ten leprous men. We talked about this not too long ago. But leprosy in those times was considered a skin disease. There were a lot of sores. There were open sores. There were wounds It was intense. We know now that it's not only a skin disease, but it affects the nervous system. And so you start to lose all your sense of feeling. And so what would happen is pretty soon things would start to wear down. You would hit things and they would break and they would wear down. And pretty soon people would start losing their fingers and their hands and their toes. It was an intense disease and very, very physically painful. It was also very emotional. Because if you were deemed to have this disease at that time, you were pushed out of the community. You're excommunicated, you were pushed out to the margins. You lost your family, you lost your friends, you lost your work, you lost everything that you had. You lost your your religion, your synagogue at the time. You would lose everything. You'd be pushed out and marginalized. Which by the way, we have people in this world that are pushed down and marginalized. We have people in our community that are pushed out and marginalized. And so these people are the pushed out away from everything. So there's a lot of emotional pain. And then there's psychological pain. I remember there was a story in a book by Beth Moore. Beth Moore is a great writer and speaker, powerful uh, person of of Christ and follower. And she tells of going to a modern day leper colony. And because of what she read, she's like, I want to minister to them. And so she got to the front gate and she walked past the gate three times, but she couldn't enter in because the smell was so intense. And she just couldn't get herself to enter in. If that was in modern times, could you imagine what's happening in these times? And so it's a very intense situation with a lot of pain. Now, here's what I find fascinating potentially about this 10 10 men. More than likely, there were Samaritans and Jews in this little community, meaning there were enemies that lived together in this community. Their commonality was a disease, but they've been pushed out by everyone. So their disease kind of draws them together. So it's fascinating to me that they have this this relationship around this disease. So they are excommunicated. Now, you should know this too. In Levitical law, it would be said that when you have this disease, if anyone comes close to you, you are to yell out in a loud voice. And you are to say, unclean, unclean. Meaning, don't come near me. I'm diseased. I'm not worthy for you to come near me. You're going to get sick. It was very much, you can imagine how intense that is. And it says in Levitical law that if you were deemed to have this and you were unclean, you would be pushed out into the outside of the camp alone. And so they yell out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And this is Jesus' response. When he saw them, he said to them, say the word. I'm testing you. There it is. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. (laughs) I love this part of the story. Because Jesus says, they they cry out for mercy. He just says, go. Go where? Go show yourselves to the priests. Why? Because the priests of the time were the only ones that could deem them clean or unclean. So that meant that they were to go and show themselves. Now... Nothing's happened yet. God just said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Go and show yourselves. And as they were going, (laughs) this is a great moment. And here, I want to encourage you with that that phrase, as they were going. Because you see it a number of times in scripture. As they went, as they were going, something happened. I want to encourage everyone in this room that your faith is going to go through a lot of seasons, it's, it's a journey. It's a process. Sometimes you have miraculous moments. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have seasons when nothing happens. What I always am encouraged when I see this is this. As they go, meaning this, your faith is going. It's a movement. One step at a time. One step at a time. Don't stop. One step at a time. It's a movement. It's a process. I love what one author says. He says this. The sign of a disciple of Christ is the speed of obedience. Meaning when they hear God, they go. That's the sign of a disciple. Sometimes we think, oh, we got to learn this. We got to do that. We got to do this. And we got to sit here. and We can't quite go. Yeah, is that true? Go. And what happens? They went. The sign of a disciple of Jesus is the speed of obedience. Now, notice this. Jesus didn't say, you're healed, now go. He didn't say that. He didn't heal them and have them go. He just said, Go. And so what we know is that first step towards the priest for all of them had to be a step of faith. It had to be a step of faith. Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. So they haven't seen anything yet. But he says, go. And as they were going, they were healed. Now here is what this beautiful moment is the story. Something happens to just one of the ten. Now, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back. Glorifying God with a loud voice. Remember that loud voice that would have to say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Have mercy, have mercy. Now, this loud voice is what? Glorifying God. And he fell at his face, or fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving thanks to Christ. And he was a Samaritan. I love what God does here. The the hero of the story is the enemy of the culture. The one that comes back is deemed the enemy. Those people are, I don't know about them. That was the one that came back. That was the one that had this unbelievable moment. So here's our four words that I gave you. Recognize, remember, return and rejoice. First is recognize. It says, when he saw... When he saw that he had been healed, something happened. That he recognized something. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I would assume that all of them are walking. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I have a finger back. This is unbelievable. Look what's happening to me. Look here. I'm assuming, I don't know what it was like, but I'm assuming everyone saw that something was happening. But this one out of 10 really saw. He really recognized something because he remembers, that's what happens, when we recognize something in our life. We recognize there's a movement in our life. We recognize that something is happening, that we're being healed. You know, guess what happens? It triggers our memory. It has to. And we recognize something has happened in my life over and over. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. What is it? And I remember. So it's recognizing, remember, I can, re- I can imagine him walking and going, oh, my gosh. Was happening because he knows when he's healed, guess what happens? He's gonna get ushered back into his home life, he's gonna gain everything back that he's been lost. He is not gonna be an outcast anymore. And so, all of a sudden, he's realizing and he's starting to remember. This is me putting my, my spin on this story because it can't help but people to remember. Go, wait a minute, where was I just a few minutes ago? Where was I? I was an outcast. What happened? What happened? Wait, wait, I cried out for mercy. To Christ, I cried out. Wait, something's happening. He has this recognition, he has this remembering. I love what this author, uh, Anne Voskamp, says. He says, This gratitude is the memory of the heart. But gratitude is not only the memories of our heart, gratitude is a memory of God's heart. And to thank is to remember God. I absolutely love that. in this moment, he's remembering. He's recognizing what God is doing. He's remembering what happened. He remembered who he was and what's happening now. And then he can't help but give thanks. And in this moment, guess what happens? The third word comes in, he returns. Of course he's going to turn back. In some ways, think about what's happening. The only proper response when all of a sudden this disease that has stolen his whole life and caused so much physical emotion and psychological damage, now it is disappearing. He needs to go back to the source of what happened. When I cried out, something happened. When I cried out to Christ, something happened. He's returning. And then this is what I love about the story. He's using the same voice, the same loud voice that would say, I'm useless, I'm no good, stay away from me. Which by the way, we have those voices. Sometimes we don't yell them out to people, but we certainly have them inside and we show people that I'm not worthy, I'm no good. Everyone stay away from me. But in the same loud voice that he says, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. The same loud voice that he screamed out, mercy, Lord have mercy. It's the same voice now that he's going, thank you. Thank you in this return. It's so beautiful. The only proper response is to return back. And when he returns back, he's returning back with a joyful heart. He's rejoicing. He's recognizing, remembering, returning, and then he rejoices. It says this, that he fell on his face at Christ's feet, giving thanks. Can I ask you this? When was the last time you fell at your feet, literally at the feet of Christ, with your face in the dirt? When was the last time you lived like this? Oh, my God. Thank you, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. When was the last time that you had that posture of your life? Now, I know a lot of people are hurting in here. I know because I get the absolute privilege to walk alongside the hurt in this community. But I also know this, there is an unbelievable amount to be grateful for. And I'll just give you one. That we even have breath in our bodies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've all done it hundreds of times. We didn't even think about it. That kind of posture where you've fallen at your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, I'll be honest with you. I get to experience this every day in my life. When I come home from work or I come home from doing something, I experience this. Someone falls at my feet every day. Now, I know you're thinking it's my wife, Amy, and it should be. But it's a little different. This is who falls at my feet every day and and is rejoicing. That's my girl. This is a 100-pound newfie. Her name is Juliet. Now, come on, please. She's amazing. I come in the door. She loses her mind. She runs... No matter where she's she's upstairs, hundred pounds coming at you like oh lord no! And she just comes at you. Sometimes she just goes sideways in the air, you know. She'll go between my legs. She'll run out. and then she'll turn around and then and then and then run back. Oh no! That's I'm like I always say, Amy, take note. This this is what I'm looking for. You know, this is what every husband deserves. Men, yes, please. Like, come on, please ignore this is what it's all about. You know, dog spell backwards God. Please follow God. But that kind of rejoicing, that kind of thankfulness, when was the last time we've done that? When was the last time we had that kind of excitement for what God has done in our life? Because here's what I've learned. The height of our joy is measured by the depth of, Of our gratitude. Love this line. The height of our joy is measured by the depth of our gratitude. The more deeply we're rooted in gratitude, guess what happens? We become people of joy. And when we're rooted in gratitude towards God, we are rooted in His joy, which is different than the joy of the the world. It's rooted in a joy that celebrates everyone. That wants to reach out to everyone. It's a joy that surpasses. It's like he says his peace surpasses human understanding. It's a joy that has no bound. Boundless joy that's rooted in God. And so Jesus responds to this recognizing, this remembering, this returning and this rejoicing. And this is what he says. Jesus asks, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Where are they? has no one returned to give praise to God except who this foreigner. And then he said this and I don't want you to miss it. And I want you to read it. it. Says rise your rise and go your what faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. That's a tremendous moment. All 10 lepers received physical healing. That's amazing. We can assume that from the story. All 10 of them had physical healing and all of them will more than likely be deemed clean by the priest. They will be then entered into their old life. They will have everything back. More than likely, their emotional and psychological healing will happen over time, perhaps. But there is only one follower in this. There is only one person in the, out of these 10 that actually has experienced the full healing of Christ. Only one. And it was the one that recognized that God does this. That remembers a life before and after. That looks back and says, oh yeah. That gratitude wells up and they don't keep it wrapped up. And keep it to themselves. They do what? They turn. And they go, I'm going back to give thanks to the source of all life. Of everything good. James one seventeen says that everything that's perfect comes from the Father of the heavenly light. Everything that's good in this world. This one person was the only one that received full healing, full spiritual healing. No one else got to experience that. They got to experience healing, but they didn't get to experience full healing. They didn't get that deep-seated gratitude. They didn't get that moment where God said, it's your faith in me. And what he's saying is live by that faith because that's the answer to your life. That's what you're looking for is your faith rooted in Jesus. And today we get to celebrate baptisms. And that is exactly the story of baptism. That's the story. You're going to hear it, you're going to see it. That there has to be a recognizing, a remembering, a returning back to God, and a rejoicing. We get to rejoice. And then I'm going to add one more thing from the past scripture. And then there is a resurrecting that happens. He says, Rise and go the old life is gone you're resurrected into the new life that's what we're going to witness paul writes about this in romans 6 and i love this particular version of how he explains baptism listen to what he says go ahead with the, you have that that's what baptism into the life of jesus means when we are lowered into the water it is like the burial of jesus when we are raised up out of the water it is like the resurrection of jesus Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to the sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in the life-saving resurrection. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. I love that. And you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. That's what he came for. And this one person that came back understood that fully. That the only source of true life, the only source of gratitude, the only source that I have that I can go to, that I can return to over and over again. Because, by the way, that pattern of recognizing, remembering, returning, and rejoicing is something we do all day long. I gotta remember, I gotta recognize, I gotta remember, I gotta put my rejoicing in the right place, and God is gonna resurrect. And that's how our faith goes, one step at a time. Sometimes we're down, then we're resurrected. We're down, and we keep moving. That's what we're going to hear in baptism. That's what we're going to celebrate today. And so let me pray. Um, I'm excited about really, really celebrating uh, the few people that are going to get baptized in this moment. And here's what I want to here's the challenge I'm going to put out to you. If you're here today and you are the nine, meaning this, you have not come home, and you feel that God's tugging you and calling you home. And you have not come home. I'm going to ask you to do this. band's going to play a song. We're going to take a minute to rest in this thought. And if God and his spirit are drawing you, and you know it, it's in you, and you can feel him drawing to you, come. Be baptized today. This could be your day. Where are the other nine? That's What's God, God, what God saying? Where are the other nine? Why are they not coming to me? Don't they want full healing? Come to me. That's the invitation that we're going to put out. And if you want to come down, if you're in the balcony here, you just come right down here. We'll talk to you. We'll pray with you. And then we'll just go. And I'm telling you, close it all. It doesn't matter. We'll give you 10 tiles. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how cold the walk is going to be. This, is, this could be your moment. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the image of what you give us. Thank you for a reminder that we need to recognize you. Remember who gives us true life return to you, rejoice, fall down at your feet and give you thanks. And as we do that, you resurrect us up to a life that we could never imagine possible. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the persons that are in this room that you are drawing, give them courage to step and go. This is their moment. And I pray for each person that has made the decision to get baptized, that you wrap your arms around them right now, that your spirit is felt and that they feel that their old has gone away and that you've resurrected them to a new life, to a new vision of life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.